letter twelve part two of the outcast by william winwood reed this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine letter twelve part two i observed a heap of tools in the corner of the room and made some remark about them he at once became vivacious and talkative as he was in the street and his eyes twinkled in a most singular manner as he spoke you see said he i'm in the patent lock and key line now here is a little invention of my own he showed me a leaden hammer capped with leather what do you think it's for i'll tell you gentlemen often loses the keys of their patent safes and then they send to the shop and ask for a man to open em of course they don't send the safe cause it's full of gold and banknotes well it's no good trying to pick a patent lock so the safe has to be opened by force with a wedge and a hammer now i needn't tell you gentlemen don't like a noise being made in their house like a blacksmith's shop it wakes up the baby sets the dogs barking and alarms the neighbourhood so i invents this leather cap hammer and it drives the wedge in without making any noise i suppose you've taken out a patent said i well no said he i ain't done that not exactly but it's been the means of putting money in my pocket all the same there's jem black what works with me he goes to the hall of science and cultivates his mind and he says to me thomas that's a beautiful invention thomas i'm proud of you thomas you're a benefactor of our specie he now left us to ourselves taking the tools with him and in the morning gave us a breakfast of tea and bacon and eggs in the midst of the meal a man rushed into the room and whispered something in his ear i heard the word peached our host sprang up wrung me by the hand and hastened out followed by his friend in the afternoon the old woman came in she was crying she said we should never see her son any more i asked her why she only shook her head and covered her face with her apron and rocked herself to and fro after a time she went out a sergeant of police came in with two constables and searched the room i now began to understand and asked if the man who lived there had been taken up the sergeant looked at me with some surprise and said yes burglary with violence the old woman left the house and no one disturbed us in our occupation of the room we lived chiefly on dry bread which i begged from servants and at baker's shops i never begged for money at margaret's earnest request thus we were kept from actual starvation but my poor wife became weaker and weaker every day then came a hard frost we had no fire and when i felt the keen air streaming in at the window i knew that it would kill her she lay with her eyes fixed upon me trembling and shivering yet pressing you to her bosom chafing your hands and bare feet while you cried in a weak plaintive voice poor ellie so hungry so cold oh edward she said if i could only have some tea i think it would save me i went first to a large coal-yard and picked up the pieces which were lying in the street near the gate and put them in a cloth i had brought with me for that purpose a gentleman who was coming out of the yard stopped and said are you so poor that you can't afford to buy coals this terrible weather i cannot even buy food i answered and my wife is dying you have a gentleman's voice said he i was once a clergyman i have known many cases of this kind he replied and excuse my saying so the cause has been always the same drink in my case said i it was something you may think worse infidelity then followed sickness from overwork doubtless a judgment you would call it these eyes failed me and they fail me still or i should be at work 
well said he i dare say i can find you something to do which won't try your eyes meet me here to-morrow at the same hour and in the meantime take this for immediate necessities he gave me a five-pound note and stepped into a brougham which was out of sight before i had recovered from my astonishment it causes me a pang even now when i think of that broken appointment why it was broken he never could know and must have supposed i was drinking the money perhaps who can tell it may have set him against being charitable any more i went to a grocer's and changed the note i almost feared he would say it was a bad one for the luck seemed too great to be true i bought some tea and some coals and wood and borrowed a teapot and mug from the people in the house margaret seemed to be asleep i would not wake her till the tea was quite ready then i would put the mattress close by the fire and when she had finished her tea i would go to the cook-shop and buy her some good strong soup her eyes opened i sat down beside her on the floor and told her the good news she smiled then her face changed in a curious manner she put up her lips to be kissed like a child before it goes to sleep and expired i sat there without moving the dusky shadows were falling on the floor when a hand was placed upon my shoulder i looked round it was a city missionary whom i had often seen passing from house to house but he had never been to my room before my brother he said you are in affliction i started to my feet there has been murder done here i cried what said he turning pale do you suspect god has murdered her i said the god who made her the god whom she loved and faithfully obeyed he looked softly into my furious eyes and said do you think then that she is dead no dear friend she is but released from this poor tenement of clay and now lives with god in paradise and could not i cried could not this benevolent god make her happy in another world without inflicting these horrible tortures upon her look at that body once so beautiful battered and beaten by its maker and it is not only her body he is wounded if her soul could be made visible it would show the marks of many a cruel and savage blow oh silence these angry thoughts he said and be resigned to the will of god for he is our sovereign and our lord it is he who has made us and not we ourselves we are his people and the sheep of his pasture my friend let me implore you to humble your heart and kneel with me before the throne what i cried with anger redoubled pray to that monster that demon that fiend think you that i like a grovelling hound will lick the hand that strikes without mercy and without provocation think you i am as the base oriental slave who presses the bowstring to his lips and to his brow think you that i fear his malignant rage hear me bloodthirsty tyrant of the skies you have power and can rack me with everlasting pains but i curse you i defy you murderer fiend the foam fell from my mouth on my hands i saw the missionary running from the room then i swooned and fell senseless to the ground when i came to myself i was still alone i went to the window and looked out snow was falling heavily and already the roofs of the houses were white i listened to the roar of the streets i pondered on my misery and i thought of the black river which i had once crossed on such a night the bridge was lonely i remembered few people passed by and their footsteps could be heard from afar but again fierce wrath rose within me and i cried with a loud voice god you shall not conquer me 
i will fight out my life to its natural end then a tiny little hand was put into mine and a little voice said in a pleading tone papa why do you talk so angry and loud you will wake up mamma and you never look at ellie to-day poor ellie so hungry so cold then i was stricken with shame and self-disgust i had let my poor child starve whilst i was ranting idly at the clouds i took out a handful of coins o oh, thou vile dross i cried thou canst not give true happiness yet without thee is misery and death see ellie here is some money to play with and i will soon go out and buy you something nice your eyes sparkled we all love money by instinct and you took the silver in your lap i knelt down beside the inanimate body and asked it in a whisper to forgive me for i felt that with my foolish rage i had profaned the presence of the dead presently you ran to me with a frightened face and pushed the money into my hands a number of men and women were standing behind me looking sadly on the corpse then they led me away to another room thieves and prostitutes did the last offices of love for the body of my poor margaret End of letter twelve recording by expatriate in bangor maine